Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. My mom was very sick, who if you haven't heard, you probably heard, end up, ended up passing a week ago Friday, and so I'm going to try to get through this. Um, appreciate Courtney stepping in the last two weeks. Didn't he do a great job? Where is he back there? So today I just kind of wanted to reflect on, you know, the past, the past year, the past several months. Um, you know, you learn a lot going through something like that. You really do. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about people. <clears throat> you learn a lot about the Lord. You learn a lot about life. And, and I'm still processing, obviously, still going to unpack it for quite a while and, and take the lessons that I can out of it. But probably one of the biggest things that I'm, and that I'm you know, so I want to speak from my heart, but I also think I have some things from the Lord to give to us as a body <clears throat> that we can incorporate into our lives for others. Because as believers, the primary calling is to love one another and carry that unity in love toward the world so that the world will believe that God sent Jesus into this earth, right? And they should know us by our love for one another. And in opportunities of pain and suffering and difficulty and sickness, how we come around and support and love each other shows the world who faces death with no hope. I mean, can you imagine? That's, that's a thought that I had in a lot of this was, how can you face something like this with no faith, with no hope, with uncertainty? In fact, I'm, I'm going to jump around, so just be prepared. I don't have like a steady outline that I'm going to stick to, so be prepared for some whiplash here. But <laughs> one of my mom's friends who had been, they've been friends for years and years and years, she said that she took care of a, a sick loved one that, was, that wasn't a believer, and she could see the battle, right? She could see the battle in this person's soul, <clears throat> but because there was some gospel there to respond to, right, in their life, to respond to, there was some seed in, had been planted in this person, so it was trying to bear fruit, the Holy Spirit was trying to nurture that, but, but their mind couldn't let go and, and embrace the gospel and embrace salvation, and, and I don't know what happened at the end, right? She didn't know. She was uncertain because there was no famous deathbed conversion or anything like that for this person. I pray, I pray that the gospel took root and they made a confession of faith even in their heart. But, but having the hope that we have is vital. And so that, that's kind of where I want to end today. I'll just give you the end from the beginning, which is, man, I'm telling you, we have a hope that we forget about. I mean, we, we live our lives and you know, you see suffering from a distance, you see pain from a distance, you see difficulty from a distance, you step into it temporarily with other people in their lives, but then you go back to your own life. And that's a huge lesson that I've learned in this process. I mean, given what I do, you know, you spend time with people that are suffering, but then you get to go home and they're still there and you kind of forget about it. And, and, and it's like, and I'm not here trying to put anything on anybody because this community has been amazing and, and, and very loving and supportive and powerful. But it's something that I want to stick with you, to, to stick, some, that I want this idea to stick with you today 
is that when you see pain and suffering, when you see people going through difficulty, they're still going through it when you get to go home. Now, I don't want us to carry this burden where we're constantly looking at life and looking at the world through a heavy sense of pain and difficulty because we do have the hope and we do have the understanding that that's not God's plan. The only kind of suffering that God endorses is you suffering for your faith. I'm telling you, I've done a deep dive into this subject. I might even write just kind of a short ebook to put it out there for free because a lot of people are confused about it. And that is the suffering aspect of God. God is into suffering, but not in how we attribute it. We, meaning the body of Christ, does a bad job in unpacking what suffering is. The only kind of suffering that God might ever lead you into is when you are treading forward to spread the gospel and you face persecution, you face difficulty, and maybe even death for the cause of Christ, right? But losing your job or suffering with cancer and the, the suffering, and this is not just an emotional, humanistic response to watching what my mom went through for a year. In other words, looking at it going, surely God wouldn't do that and walking away having made an emotional decision, but actually looking at Scripture in context of what we go through as people and what our loved ones go through, God's not creating that stuff. God is not causing that stuff. Now, at the end of it, hopefully people's hearts turn toward Him and, and we can learn lessons in the midst of it, but God is not crafting that type of stuff to teach us lessons. Amen? He created this life in a perfect garden. We are going unto perfection in the end. He gave us Jesus in the middle that set everything the way that God wanted it to be, going about doing good and healing all. Everything else is our co-laboring with God, trying to follow the Holy Spirit, trying to you know, walk in what He wants for us. And what He wants for you is heaven on earth. Now, there's all kind of theological stuff that gets splintered into that, and people debate and create denominations on that. And I'm not going through all that today. But what I want to look at is what we are carriers of today. And, and I love when this happens. Uh, Adam picked the songs today, I'm assuming, because Chris is out of town. Is Adam in here? I'm sure he who Who played? Is Chris, who? Jason. Is Jason in here? Yeah. All their band. Did Adam pick the songs? <laughs> I just play guitar. I don't Anyway, oftentimes it happens where the song, because we don't have planning meetings where we sit down and plan the service out and so the songs match and all that. We kind of just, you know, we, I'm not against that. We just don't do it. But that passage that, that he alludes to in there, that we approach the throne of God, right, because he's merciful and we need to find grace there. That, that's the idea that I kind of want to look at today. So let's just go ahead and look at that one passage here. This is out of Hebrews 4. So we'll set the tone with this, and, the, and then I'll kind of talk about the ideas that's on my heart that I, that I think is for this body and for the body of Christ at large and just, I think, where we are. And then we'll go have a picnic. How's that sound? By the way, the weather's going to be beautiful, so thank you, Lord, for that. Uh, therefore, now, so Hebrews... We don't know exactly who wrote it or who it was written to because it doesn't necessarily say, but from the context, it seems like it's written to Jews who knew the Old Covenant, who knew the sacrificial temple, Levitical priesthood system, all of that, and who had the opportunity to recognize Christ as Messiah but put themselves back under the law. And the warning is, don't do that. Don't 
pull away from the faith and go back under the law, stay faithful toward Christ, and in Christ there's actually freedom from sin apart from the law. Doesn't mean the law's bad, doesn't mean it wasn't good, doesn't mean you throw it away, it just means it's fulfilled, and there's a new priesthood and a new priest. And that's what it's all about is to help people understand we have a new, a new covenant, a new priesthood, and this priest is different under this particular type of covenant. And still challenging you to live worthy of the calling, still challenging you to live worthy of that righteousness and holiness that you've been given, but the law is no longer your judge. It's been judged in Christ, and you are now a child of God, a friend of God. Amen? So <clears throat> in that context, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now just hang on that one for just a minute. The, the, so the idea that's on my heart today is that we as the body of Christ, this church and the body of Christ at large, we do this for other people. I don't mean you're the Messiah or become a God or anything weird like that. I just mean the comfort that we get from our Messiah having passed into the heavens and being that advocate for us, being in intercession for us constantly, constantly leading us and guiding us with His Spirit, leading us into the truth, reminding us what the Father said. We, so what Jesus went through for us should reflect through us into the earth. And that's what really I want, to, I want us to get out of these passages right here. People forget to hold firmly to their faith. And so we get to be reminders of faith for people, especially in difficulty. I'm telling you, I mean, you know, I'm, we're grieving now. And by the way, my, my brother, a lot of people have asked about my brother who was mom's main caregiver and, and is still, you know, living in the house there. He's, he's okay, you know. I think he's doing better than I expected. I, he's thinking forward. He's thinking about what life looks like rather than sitting and kind of, mulling, you know, so I, I think he's going to be all right. But, but so <clears throat> think about that. And I want to, the challenge that I want to put to you today in the body of Christ is in recognizing when people are going through the stuff and we all go through it, how can you step into, the, into it with them? Knowing that that's what Jesus did. Jesus stepped into our humanity. Jesus stepped into our situation. He emptied himself. God emptied himself. The great mystery, right? The great kenosis emptied himself and came into this earth, limited himself in every way like we are, and experienced everything we experience as a human. This is where we're going in this, but, but we can do that for others as well. You know, one of the things that meant so much to us in this process, because people ask you, and, and again, please, so many of you said this, and a lot of times you don't know what to do. People that have just walked through this, people that are walking through this, people watching online who have sick loved ones, uh, you know, don't be afraid to ask for things. And if you said this in this journey over the past several months for us, I'm not singling you out, just case in point, you know, all of us collectively, uh, let me know if I can do anything. Now, that's not a bad thing because we don't know what to do, right? We don't, we don't know what to do. But on this side of it, having experienced what we went through and needing to hold firmly to my own faith, which, you know, it's not that you forget, and it's not doubt in the sense of why. And, you know, I never asked God, why is this happening? I know why this happened. 
sickness is in the earth because we messed it up. That's why it happened, right? God is not the author of that stuff. God's going to wipe it all away eventually one day. Amen? So, again, how can we learn the lesson from what Jesus did for us? Take that as a model and example to do and be that for others and step into it with each other. The texts, the calls, the food, just being there for each other is so vital and so important. And I've learned a lesson of how much of an impact it actually makes. And the residual is that it fulfills part of that calling that we are to love one another. That's what Jesus prayed. Father, I, you know, John 17, I pray that they, because we are one, I pray that they are one as you and I are one, as I'm in you and you're in me and I'm in them and you're in them and we're in they. You know, and it's like, boom, he just creates this unity bundle and he prays that, they, that we know his love for us. And then out of that love, our unity, our love toward one another, we show that love toward the world and they believe that God sent Christ into this earth. How does that work? I don't know. That's one of those spiritual things that bears fruit of us living in love toward one another. Not permissiveness, not excusing sin, not any of that dumb stuff that this message gets accused of, but recognizing people and where they are and stepping into it is a huge way to show our love toward one another, I think, because it, make, it means so much. So, but what meant so, and this is just kind of an object lesson, what meant so much to us is people, you know, because people will say, well, anything I can do, and it's like, you know, I think we're good, but then people just show up and bring stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, well, it is kind of nice to have that right now. I didn't, you know, I didn't, because you don't want to ask for things, and then you also think, well, you are okay, and you don't need anything. So anyway, just a little something I learned. Please don't feel guilty about that. I know it's easy. We're like, oh, I should have done. And, and we always think, I should have done this, and I should have. I'll tell you this, and this is a lesson that I've learned where I may have missed it in other times when some of y'all went through stuff, if you think, well, I wonder if I should do that, you probably should just go ahead and do it, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit's not going to lead you into a place where you're going to bring comfort and peace and, and just something to somebody that can make a difference. Just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and assume that's what you should do. If it's a loving, a step, just do it. And I'm not sitting here saying, well, they should have done that. I don't have any particular person in mind, so please don't think that. I really don't. I honestly don't. But there's a lesson for us to learn as the body of Christ. You know, because one of the calls, calling, I think, for me as a pastor, the, one of the strong messages that is always on my heart is to promote love in the body because it is a testimony to the world that we follow Jesus. And as a, as a fruit of that testimony, they believe that God sent Jesus into this earth. Miracles, you know, they killed Jesus and he did miracles. But he said, they will believe when they see you loving one another. And what a way to love one another when we're pain, in pain and we're suffering. But we, we don't know. It's like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? Carry a remembrance of faith to those people who may be struggling. How can you step into their pain and suffering and help them remember their faith? And I don't mean a text that says, hey, you should do this. Because that happens too, right? And I get long distance people, you can't show up. And this is, <laughs> I, I, I thought about this this week and whether or not to say it or not. And I'll say it in such a way that it's like when people are suffering, you know, it's not necessarily helpful to say, well, hey, y'all should do this. It's like, 
if you're going to make a suggestion, and I, and I mean for me too, I mean I'm talking as like a person that is in a role called to step into more so than everybody else even, into the hospitals and into people's homes and into people's lives when it's difficult to go into there, right? To say this, this is not just try this, but here, let me equip you. Let me give you a resource. Let me do that. Let me come over and let's talk about it. Let me, you know, you know, just something like that. And I think that ends up being a testimony to the world. Look how they, look how supportive they are of each other. You know, maybe somebody that's dealing with a sick loved one that doesn't know, doesn't have faith, and they watch us as a body, the body at large, do that for each other, right? It's such a powerful thing that can make such a difference in other people's lives. I mean, I'm telling you, people that end up in difficulty, it's why they end up showing up at church. It's like, I don't know about that giraffes on a boat thing, dinosaurs on a boat thing, or whatever that means, but the way they love each other, that's pretty powerful. And then they can, we can get to that stuff eventually. So therefore, since we have a great high priest who had, again, what's the lesson that we can take out of what he did for us and we can do that for others? Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Next verse, please. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize. You know, a lot of, a lot of perspectives of God, when you hear a lot of people preach about God, it's kind of distant. And, and especially from a kind of this sovereign perspective of God's pre-planned everything and these, everything that's happening is His will. Well, you know what? It's God's will that none should perish. It's God's will that none should perish. Are people going to perish? Yeah. Does God want that? No. So he doesn't always get what he wants. It's not that, he's, it's not that he lacks the power. It's just how he set it up, and he holds to his own word. Amen? Amen? Not trying to take any power away from him because he can do anything he wants at any moment at any time, but he does hold himself to his word, and when he gave mankind dominion over this planet, there's a, that he has to hold himself to that bond as well. So we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. If you've been through something and you see somebody going through a similar thing, go to them. Help them because they need it. Their friends need to see it happen. Their family needs to see it happen. Their co-workers need to see it happen because as you step into their life, they're going to go and they're going to tell those stories. I'm telling you, I, we forget how the smallest little act can make such a big difference. It, it's just true. Can you empathize, especially if you've been through something? And, I'm, and this is something that I feel like the Lord led me to highlight this week. If you've been through something, just go ahead and open your heart and let yourself be led by God to other people to help them through that thing. It's why, you get, it's why you see drunks find each other, abused people find each other. You know, other people that have been through things find each other. People that have a common sports and their sport and their background find each other. What we've been through bonds us and, and, and helps us connect to each other. And especially in difficulty. Some of you have been through some things that you, you don't want to talk about. And I understand that. And maybe the only, the only, oper, the only appropriate time for you to talk about those kinds of things are in private with someone who's going through something. But how powerful can it be that you get to step in? So that, that's what I felt like the Lord led. One thing for us to walk away with today is 
If you've been through something, just open your heart to Him and trust that He will lead you into someone's life where you can comfort them, where you can help them, where you can do as our high priest does and empathize with when they're weak. Does that make sense to you? Like some of you might already have something in your mind about where you can, where you can do that, you know, where you can step into someone's pain and difficulty and suffering and say, look, I've been through it. Because I heard from people who've lost their parents and, you know, now both of my parents are gone, which is strange. I mean, there's a, it's kind of a strange thing. But, but man, I'm telling you what, you know, there, there's a, especially if you walk through it with faith and you have other people helping you hold to your faith, like our high priest does, you come out of it with something that can't be taken away from you. And if you get to be that for other people and shore them up in the process, man, I'm telling you, that there's no greater gift than you can give to somebody in moments like that. Amen. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And then the last verse. Let us approach, so because of all that, because we have a high priest, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Now, that's what that song is all about. Approaching the throne of grace with confidence. Why? First John, because as He is, so are we in this world so that we will not be afraid in that day of judgment. There is a final judgment coming. There is a resurrection where all will stand before the Lord. And you, if you're a believer, your works are judged, not for your righteousness, but for a reward. And it says, you might suffer loss in that moment, but you yourself will be saved. Your salvation is secure if you continue to remain faithful in what Christ has done for you. That's the only qualification there seems to be in the Bible. Can you lose your salvation? Well, I don't know. But there are warnings to keep believing. So let's keep believing. Amen? Amen. Uh, but that's what that song is all about. The fact that you can stand before God and say, I am righteous and holy with confidence. See, there's a lot packed into this idea, okay? Think about this. Let us approach God's throne of grace. Okay. Can you go before God's throne as a sinner? Trick question. I know. I saw. Wait a minute. Mm, no? I'll give you the answer. No. You die. You touch the throne. I mean, you touch the Ark of the Covenant with the presence of God on it in the unworthy manner, you die. You go before the Father in this earth suit, you die, right? You cannot stand in the perfect presence of a holy God unless you will not be obliterated from that presence. So the very fact that you are instructed to go before the throne of God verifies that something's different about you that gives you the capacity to stand before the throne of grace. You can't stand in the presence of God. It just can't happen. So, so there's a layer deep and deeper in this first part here that says there's got to be something about you that gives you admittance even into that throne of grace, right? And that is the fact that you have been changed. You are a new creature in Christ. Amen. Did I say creature? <laughs> Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, not in yourself, but in the finished. See, true humility is to lay down your opinions and your thoughts and your ideas and adopt God's truth 
especially about yourself. And when you're in the middle of sin and you're struggling and yet again you stumble into that thing, but you can get a hold of yourself and repent, change your mind, turn back to the Father and go to Him and say, oh man, I can't believe it again. But I know, Father, that you're gracious. It doesn't mean that you can continue in without consequence. It just means that you, you, there's an open door to Him to turn back to Him and go to Him and be received. That In fact, never have been rejected in the first place. Because you struggle doesn't mean you've become less holy. It just means you have forgotten that you have been forgiven in that moment. And you can go back to that throne of grace and find mercy and grace because you're going to need it. And, and then we are carriers of that same mercy and grace that we get from Him to others because they need it as well. So let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. So that's mercy is to be forgiven unjustly, right? Like you don't deserve forgiveness, but Jesus paid for it. Therefore, you get to be forgiven in Him. Amen? Amen. Which leaves you holy, set apart, cleansed, sanctified. So when God forgives you, there is a sanctification, a cleansing that happens that leaves you set apart. You are therefore now holy in your spirit, not in your soul and your body yet, although it can emanate out into this temporary life. That ultimately will be changed as well. But that's how you can say, I am holy, because through Christ, you have been washed, sanctification, set apart, holy, inhabited by God. Amen? I mean, I'm telling you, the gospel's all over this. So, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So to take this a step further into our practical life, again, the same idea. How can we be this for others? He was this for us. He is this for us. How can we be this for others, right? Do you have the type of relationship with God where you go to Him when you need to remember your profession of faith? You know, some of us, we live kind of these detached surface lives where we don't, you know, it's like when we stop feeling bad is when we remember that we're Christians. You know what I mean by that? Like, you, you're like, like I'm going to just go ahead and engage in this sin. It's not that bad. I'm going to live in denial and kind of pretend like it's not a big deal. And when I stop feeling guilty, then I'll be a Christian again or I'll go do whatever I'm... You know, does that make sense to you? Yeah. Everybody's like, I don't, I don't want to admit. I don't want to respond. I know, I know you know what I'm talking about. And, and we personally need to have the experience of going to Him and admitting and confessing where we are, even if it's a lack of faith, to find that mercy, which is that remembrance that we're forgiven. And then that grace, which is, if you're new here, we define grace as God's unmerited favor, absolutely, but if there's a deeper definition that it's God's influence on your heart that brings a capacity. So, in Ephesians, when it says that, when Paul says, I pray that you be strengthened in your inner man so that the love of God would dwell in your, you know, the love, so that Jesus would dwell in your heart and you'd understand the depth and breadth and width and height of the love of God, which brings you to wholeness, that inner man's strength is grace. Grace is God's influence on your heart that brings power beyond your own capacity in that moment. So when you are missing it in whatever capacity, whatever degree, you go to Him and you remember, oh, Lord, 
You're not holding my sin against me. I'm not going to use that as an excuse for sin, but I'm going to remember that you are that high priest and you are seated at the right hand of the Father and you have forgiven me and in you I am forgiven. And then a grace rises up that strengthens you out of that sin. But are you making sure that you're having those experiences? Not even just physical sin, but depression, faithlessness, questioning God. Some of us go through things and we question, we do what the devil did. Did God really say? I mean, my life isn't really working out. I was, stand, I was standing on this promise and it didn't happen. I wonder if God really meant that when he said that. That's sin as well, because anything that's not of faith is sin. If we're going to set the bar, let's set the bar. Can you, are, are you making sure that you're having the personal experience to go to the Father? Remember that you're forgiven. Be strengthened by Him. Have your mind and your conscience cleansed from that sin again. It's never going to affect your spirit, but your mind needs to be set free again. Because you think about it and you hold that guilt and you hold that shame. Let it go and then carry it out. Live in the power of it, but then also carry it to others. And that, that's really the idea that I felt like the Lord laid on my heart is, can you carry that power that you've received from Him to others? Can you step into their lives? In fact, not can you, but will you? And I think that's what He wants for us, you know, because if you're not prophesying and you're not laying hands on the sick and seeing miracles and raising the dead and all that kind of stuff, all that stuff's going to pass away, but love will never fail. Love will never pass away. So if you're not prophesying and getting miracles, don't judge yourself as some less than Christian. You can love. And a lot of times when you're in those opportunities to love, those gifts rise up and they come up so effortlessly and naturally and you do stuff that you didn't even know was in you, right? Put yourself in a position where you can love somebody and you watch His power move through you. A lot of times in just, you know, charismatic type circles, we're, we're, we're wanting to put the power first. It's like, I got this thing and I'm going to go do this thing for Jesus. And it's like, but there's a person that you're about to steamroll over. So think about that for just a minute, just, you know, as, as I wind it down here. Because <clears throat> that fried chicken is sounding kind of good right now. If you don't know, we've got a picnic right after church, and everybody's invited. Call a friend, call a family member, tell them to come on over to Old Town Sharpsburg. What, what's the name of it? Staley Park? Is that the name of it? Yeah. Stanley? Staley. Staley. But think about that for just a minute. Think about, is there somebody in your life right now that's going through something? You might not even like that person. You just let God work that out, right? But, 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 and if you don't have somebody in mind specifically, you know, be willing to open your heart. Like in this moment right now, I'll ask you this question. Are you willing to let God lead you into other people's lives so you can bring mercy and grace and comfort to them in the time that they need it? Because they need it. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Right? If we don't do it, who's going to do it? If Christians, if followers of Jesus aren't taking mercy and love to others, who will do it? It's what will save the world. I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, he said, our love for one another will be a sign to them that we follow Jesus. And our unity in that love will show the world and, and, and cause the world to believe that God sent Christ into this earth. I just trust that he actually meant that when he said that. 
So our acts of love toward one another and stepping into it with each other and loving one another, somehow that shows people in their hearts. It gives, it gives space for the Holy Spirit to work in those people's minds and hearts to draw them to Him. So just make that decision. Just, just bow your heads for just a minute. And if you're saying yes, say, I'm willing, Holy Spirit. You don't have to repeat this, but in your own heart, however you'd say it, I'm willing, Holy Spirit, to be used by you. I'm willing to step into the inconvenient moments, the uncomfortable moments. I'm willing to, when I, when I don't know what to do, I'm still willing to move in mercy and grace and love and step into other people's lives to bring them faith, to bring them hope, to bring them a meal, to bring them a resource, to even just bring a presence to help them in those moments. So Father, I thank you I thank you, and I'm willing to be led by you out of what I've been through, just like you. You can empathize with what we are facing because you've been human, and you faced everything that we face, yet without sin. Father, I thank you that I can be used by you out of the things that I've been through, and you can plant me as a seed in other people's lives to bring your gospel to bring your hope, to bring your mercy, and to bring your peace so that love will have an effect. Thank you, Father, for that. Jesus, we, we just acknowledge you as Lord in our, in our lives. We acknowledge you as God. You know, if you're here today and you're not sure that you're a believer, it's pretty easy. You don't have to understand it all, but in your heart, just be willing to make this decision. Jesus, I'm willing to believe that what you did was for me. I believe that you are God. You came into this earth. You lived a perfect and sinless life to qualify to be my sacrifice. You died in my place on that cross. You took all of my sin. You took all of my curse. And you died and you passed through the grave and you conquered death for me. You ascended into heaven with your own blood and cleansed the heavenly holy of holies. And if I say yes to you, you will take that life and cleanse me and make me born again. Now, do you say yes to that? Even if you don't understand it all, you say yes to that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We trust you. If you made that decision for the first time today, I'm going to put you with Courtney back there. We're giving multiple tasks, waving his hand back there. Just speak with him. We got a book and things we want to give you. Even online, email us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.